And now we are back with a special guest, Daria Tsikunova, who is a partner, a girlfriend of uh, Ilya Samoylenko, who is a lieutenant of Azov Regiment. And he was a spokesperson for Azov Regiment. You have often seen him during uh, live streams from Azov Stal and from Mariupol. And uh, unfortunately, right now, Ilya is in Russian captivity. And uh, Daria is here with us to discuss um, the unfortunate and very tragic event that happened in Olenivka um, in a POW camp on a territory currently temporarily occupied by Russian invaders in the east of Ukraine, where Russian invaders essentially executed POWs, Ukrainian POWs, and uh, executed members of Azov Regiment. Daria, welcome here with us. Welcome at Walter Report. Daria, can you give us a brief introduction, who you are, where you currently are, and uh, about Ilya Samoylenko too? Uh, hi, everyone. Uh, my name is Daria Tsikunova. I'm uh, uh, 22 years old. I'm the girlfriend of uh, Ilya Samoylenko. Uh, Azov Regiment combatant, uh, he's uh, 28 years old now. Uh, so he was defending country uh, from uh, Russian invasion uh, from uh, 2015, uh, but uh, he decided to go on a civil life uh, last summer. Uh, but when the uh, invasion full-scale invasion began, he uh, rejoined the army and uh, went to Mariupol to uh, to fight Russians uh, in there. So he stayed there until the uh, commandment of uh, Ukraine gave uh, an order uh, to go to Russian captivity. And uh, he, uh, I suppose that he is in uh, Olenivka, it's uh, in DPR, uh, which is uh, Donetsk uh, People's Republic, uh, uh, which is under Russian, Russian control. occupational administration, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, so it's a occupied uh, territories of uh, Ukraine by Russians. Uh, so he's in captivity there uh, from 20th of May. So um, the next question, essentially, when was the last time you spoke with Ilya and uh, what was the discussion about? I believe that was just prior to him um, becoming a POW after uh, they were uh, leaving Azovstal. So last time we spoke on 20th of May, uh, but uh, during this full-scale invasion, we actually didn't uh, make uh, calls. We only texted, uh, and uh, last time we communicated was uh, via social media. Uh, he he didn't share any details with me because he's uh, you know he's a professional military man, so he never discussed uh, any uh, war situations and uh, his work with the civils, even with his family and with me. Uh, so he only said me to me that I should stay strong and uh, that I should believe that uh, uh, that this will have some happy ending yeah we were all expecting a good resolution because from what we know um international red cross and united nations became guarantors right of the security of the ukrainian yeah. pow specifically pow's of azov regiment um and now uh yesterday day before yesterday we we were appalled to see the footage of the of something that transpired in Olenivka POW camp. Can you actually provide us with more details on what you know regarding what happened in there? So, uh, yeah, sure. In Olenivka. Uh, uh, I 
I gathered all the info from both Ukrainian side and Russian side and from international sources because I wanted to uh, see the situation not only from the uh, Ukrainian point of view but from the international one too. So uh, the info I learned personally that uh, this barrack which was exploded uh, was actually standing a bit aside from the other barracks. So uh, there are something we can we can compare. We can see uh, the pictures before explosion and after explosion. So uh, this particular barrack which uh, exploded was uh, like a bit aside. It's uh, it can be seen from the satellite uh, satellite photos. Uh, so. Uh, the people who uh, returned from uh, captivity already uh, a couple of uh, weeks, I, I believe a month ago or something, uh, they say that uh, this barrack uh, originally uh, was not uh, like a living space for people and uh, that Russians eventually uh, decided to move there uh, about 200 soldiers so uh, about a month ago only about a month ago maybe less uh, so, so just to clarify you you communicated with uh, people can you clarify who those were those were uh, former POWs from Azov who were liberated right and they provided some information about the camp itself, right? Yeah, I personally communicated with uh, two uh, ex-POWs. Uh, they uh, were uh, returned uh, to Ukraine. Uh, so uh, they told me that uh, that barrack which is exploded was like located in the uh, industrial zone not in the living zone. So it was uh, a bit far away from uh, the dining room, from the administration, from the uh, barrack where uh, soldiers were held. Uh, and uh, this uh, barrack, which is which was exploded, which exploded, uh, was aside from the uh, original ones where they firstly were uh, located. So uh, I believe that Russians, some, for, for some some reason, for this reason, I suppose, for this terroristic action, actually uh, decided to move uh, around 200 people to to just blow them up there. Uh, they claim that, uh, Russians claim that um, this attack was from Ukrainian side and uh, this attack was like from, uh, made, made by HIMARS or something like that, but uh, the military analytics, uh, you can see this uh, information in open source sources, uh, say that uh, if uh, this strike was uh, uh, made by Heimers or something like that, uh, the consequences uh, of uh, for, for the building uh, would be much worse. Uh, so this the uh, it doesn't look like uh, Heimer's explosion. It looks like Schmel. Uh, 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 I don't know uh, if it has some name. Thermobaric system. Yeah. Thermobaric yeah, uh, yeah. rocket propelled system. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it was a. Probably term... could have been used locally. Yeah, and uh, it, it so was just, planned. Just to clarify, like according to those testimonies, uh, according to those people who were in that location and uh, with whom you spoke. Uh, originally, these POWs who were in there were not kept in that specific building. It wasn't used for POWs and presumably they were transferred and we don't know how and what the circumstances were, right? Yeah, yeah, because you're Because originally right. POWs were held in a different area of overall camp yeah 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 i can even show the uh picture of uh this uh this uh camp for pow's uh if you'd like if it will be if it will work uh from my web camera uh because maybe uh, we can uh you know just add it later on 
Um, yeah, yeah, okay. It, it but will, it would be definitely, better. it would definitely be useful. Uh, you can so just. Uh, you were right. And... Okay, for for one minute. Go ahead. One, one second. Yeah, for for the people for, to understand, you need to uh, compare uh, the pictures before the strike and after the strike, and you will see which uh, building exploded, and you will see that. Uh, this building is aside from the other small buildings, and those small buildings are for living. So that building is in the, the industrial building zone. is apart from the other structures in the POW yeah. camp. The building hasn't been used prior to that to keep POWs. And uh, the question is, I believe this POW camp was specifically for... Um, captives from Azov regiment, or this was just for different defenders, Mariupol from different regiments. So they specifically kept uh, people from Azov in there. Uh, no, not only the people of Azov uh, regiment, uh, but uh, the uh, Marines, uh, the National Guard and the police and the uh, border defense uh, guys. Uh, so uh, there were uh, all, all the all the uh, groups of uh, military men who defended uh, Mariupol. Uh, so actually, uh, we don't have any official confirmation of this info, but uh, some of uh, the experts, uh, according to the unofficial lists of uh, uh, victims, uh, claims uh, claim that. Uh, uh, those victims are all from Azov regiment, so it's basically a public, uh, uh, public, uh, execution. It was yeah, public execution. execution because... Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's public execution of Daria, Azov regiment. As Daria said, the victims specifically are only from. Azov regiment and the victims who were in that building were only from Azov regiment. We don't have any official list for now, so we cannot be 100% uh, sure, but according to the unofficial ones, uh, it seems that uh, there are no other uh, departments or something uh, in, in, in those lists. So. So there are no other Ukrainian defenders from different units aside yeah, from Azov. Yeah, no, no other units in those were yeah. mm -hmm. Understood. And uh, as you mentioned earlier, indeed, Russian propaganda kicked in instantaneously with, first of all, these were weird claims about uh, HIMARS strikes. According yeah. from, from what you have heard from those people, um, it looks like um, it definitely wasn't a strike from the outside. It was something that happened closely nearby, right? The explosion yeah. was either inside or some thermobaric, as you mentioned, used. Yeah. And, uh, and just mm -hmm. to... go ahead. Uh, no, no, you just finish, finish here, yeah, and then I will tell the info <laughs> I want to tell. Right. So, so the question is. Because they were, um, according to the videos and everything, uh, there is um, strong suggestion and substantiated one and a fear that these people whom we have seen killed and essentially executed in that spot in Olenevka, in that mm -hmm. building, they presumably might have been tortured and even killed prior to being placed in that building? Is there a such chance or have you heard such allegations or according to the people that you have spoken with? Uh, so it's definitely not a strike from the heavy weapon from outside. It uh, seems like the explosion from the inside of the building because all the walls are, uh, are st standing and uh, they were not ruined. Uh, and uh, I guess almost every windows are unbroken. Uh, so the only roof fell 
uh, and uh, it fell because of the fire in this building after this strike. Uh, so I suppose um, from the information I gathered from all the sources, I, I, I read all the info which was possible to find online and saw these horrible photos and saw the analytics of the military man. Um, it, it, it looks like, I'm sorry, it's the real siren in my city now. Uh, I hope I will be alive. Uh, yeah, that's this. the unfortunate reality of being yeah. in Ukraine. Yeah. Nowhere is safe, yeah. right? Yeah, uh, I'm. I'm in my house. I actually have uh, no no possible options now to hide somewhere uh, in the uh, bomb shelters. But I hope I will be okay today. I need to be okay in order to uh, help our people to get from from the russian captivity so well in any uh, case just if you feel it's necessary go ahead and proceed if you feel it necessary to to relocate we can postpone the whole thing so i i have you, no options to relocate the the bomb shelter is so far away from my home so uh, i have no options uh all right so just now, uh, let's be sure that yeah you're i i would like safe. to proceed i would like to proceed all right, so let's proceed. Again, we're back with Daria Tsikunova, who is a partner of uh, Defender of Ukraine, Lieutenant of Azov Regiment, and spokesperson of Azov Regiment, Ilya Samoylenko. Um, just to continue from the point where we ended, um, what we know about Ilya's fate, uh, his current situation, and I believe uh, he wasn't fortunately on the list uh, that transpired regarding those who were killed, essentially executed by Russians in Olenivka, correct? Uh, he, I, I didn't find him on those unofficial lists, uh, but um, I cannot be 100% sure that he is alive. Uh, because, uh, you know, lists are not full, they're not complete. And uh, we haven't spoke for more than two months for now. And uh, I'm not sure uh, how he is and where he is and if he's still alive. Um, I, I also wanted to add uh, for the previous question uh, that uh, Russians uh, may... Um, Make 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 some uh, trains uh, to hide all the war crimes they committed because uh, I believe that uh, some of the people who were uh, claimed uh, as uh, the dead ones uh, of uh, this uh, uh, explosion uh, were already dead uh, uh, before the explosion itself uh, because. Uh, from from the photos, we we can see uh, some of the uh, burned bodies are static, so they 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 um, wasn't looking like uh, the person who actually uh, who actually suffers from uh, pain of being burned alive. Uh, I mean, uh, when when uh, the it's a hard topic, sorry. Uh, so when the uh, when the, when when person feels uh, a burn, uh, it's uh, like the uh, convulsion. They, they try to hide, and the, the yeah, body they try reacts. to hide, and, and their body uh, is uh, looking like trying to do something. And uh, so, some of the people who were born alive are uh, were just uh, located in their bed, still uh, static line. Uh, so I suppose so exactly they could that's be what there. we have seen. There is nothing that indicates that these people were in agony prior yeah. to dying, yeah. specifically in that location, at least. Yeah. So the, this leads to the notion that, as you said, they might have been 
killed, murdered, executed prior to that, and then just moved to that location and uh, burned, essentially, because the building remained intact, the, the windows remained intact, it was just the roof and the inside, and the bodies that were essentially burned. Yeah, so and the, again, and the bodies the... which were not bo uh, uh, which were not uh, burned, uh, we we can see them also on the pictures, uh, like uh, lying about seven people in a row. Uh, they they are all very skinny and they uh, look uh, like they haven't re haven't received enough food for a long period of time. So, uh, according to the Third Geneva Convention, uh, it uh, it should be uh, the same food and water supplies for uh, the soldiers who are the prisoners of war, uh, as well as for uh, the people who are like uh, guarding them. So they should have uh, enough uh, supplies to uh, to eat. And they they should have uh, libraries with books uh, and uh, uh, people ex POWs uh, who are back in Ukraine now says that all uh, those uh, all those uh, things uh, are not available. So the food is really bad. Uh, the water is. Uh, uh, low quality and uh, they uh, don't have any uh, any um, any books any like i don't know if it's correct to call it's, it in this situation the treatment but, but, like, is inappropriate if it's, yeah, it's yeah, even yeah. if we can call it treatment just to yeah, step and, back a little yeah. bit regarding what happened to the bodies indeed those who weren't burned um they were they looked malnourished so there were issues most likely with, with the food that they received and um, the way that lie that they lie around or the bodies are strewn. It does not look like these people were trying to flee. And again, these were professional soldiers yeah, from Azov yeah. Regiment. As you they, mentioned, they, they, they were fighting have for known, many years. Yeah, yeah, they should have known what to do in this such situation. Uh, I suppose that it, it it couldn't happen like that. It couldn't be like you know one one moment and the person is burned to death at one moment. They, they should have at least tried to to save to themselves. react. Yeah. And again, these are professional soldiers who know what to do in terms of incoming strike rocket strike mortar strike who have been uh, in those conditions for many years not even starting from the 24th so and uh, what we have seen in those videos essentially they had no chance at a second if they were alive prior to that to react yeah so this is something that you know, creates more questions and uh, more questions arise from that. Speaking of, of people with whom you communicated from Azov and who were right now are ex-POWs who were released, what do they tell you about the, uh, the captivity and how they were kept? Uh, was there any, like how these prisoners were treated in Russian captivity? What do you know uh, about that? Yeah, I uh, I try to not to bother them a lot with those questions because, you know, it's very hard psychologically to uh, go through the adap adaptation to uh, normal life uh, and stuff. So, uh, but uh, as far as I know, uh, all of them are telling that uh, food is uh, bad and uh, it's uh, not enough to um, feed uh, a grown-up man. Uh, water is a bad quality. It's uh, not. Uh, it's not like drinking water. It's something like uh, more technical or something. I don't know. Uh, it's it's polluted or something. Uh, 
um, also they tell uh, tell that uh, the cells are crowded, uh, so there, there is no much uh, room for uh, all of the soldiers and uh, it's uh, hard to be uh, in those conditions. Their ventilation is bad. Uh, they don't have any, uh, you know, like um, uh, in normal prisons, yeah, in normal prisons, people have uh, some kinds of entertainment like sports or uh, mm -hmm. visiting uh, the um, uh, st street outside uh, to like get a fresh air uh, and uh, they get books. But uh, in this case, uh, prisoners of war don't have any of this good. So uh, the conditions are really bad. More moreover, uh, I also know from them uh, that there are tortures uh, and uh, our soldiers, especially uh, uh, from Azov regiment, are being tortured uh, while uh, this interrogations also. Uh, so one of the soldiers told uh, on his interview in YouTube, you can see this video, so his name is Tork. Uh, he told that uh, uh, the uh, prisoner guard uh, guards uh, while they um, while while they were torturing uh, him, they put uh, like nails. Uh, yeah, uh, boys do uh, yeah, into nails. his wounds. Uh, they they, so they put, were put driving them. nails into open wounds of the POW. Yeah, yeah. And uh, that's only what uh, he told, and I can't even imagine what what could be there more, because I understand that not all the captives are ready to talk about this in public, you know, with the people who are they're not like close ones. Uh, also, uh, as you know, uh, recently uh, a horrible situation happened. Uh, Russians uh, um, cut off testicles of some men, uh, of some Ukrainian defender, uh, and then they killed him. Um, also, this uh, one one situation was uh, like uh, Russians cut it off the head of the man and his wrists, and uh, they put it on the uh, you know the they Bounty they impaled call. the yeah. the dismembered yeah. body. Yeah. The, and the I saw I saw the, those photos. And, uh, I'm speechless, basically. Yeah, we so we have seen those videos. It's uh, it's yeah. If if, if they're capable, horrendous. if Russians capable to do such uh, things, I I believe that in captivity where where a person. Uh, have not enough food and water where a person is like demoralized for being in captivate being captivated uh, uh, the tortures could be much worse and i I hope that everyone who is still alive will get a life home as soon as possible because we need to get them back home we we can't stay uh, stay calm and do nothing for now because if if we do nothing we will receive only the remains of our beloved ones yeah well again we have seen those videos and uh it's it's just i don't have any words to describe what i've seen even though i'm a medical professional i have seen a lot during my career and uh but still and again uh this happens presumably on a regular basis uh in those camps where where russians are mistreating and torturing ukrainian pow's according to to the people who who you spoke with right yeah uh actually i 
personally communicated with two of them and saw many uh, many video interviews. Uh, but uh, those ones uh, to whom I spoke, they were exchanged uh, in a different period of time. So one of them was uh, with this uh, 144, I believe. Uh, and the other one was a volunteer person who was exchanged recently. Do you, I, I right, there was a big, name, sorry. big swap, prisoner swap of 144. He was one of those. Uh, go ahead, Drew. Yeah, I wanted to jump in here and ask, do you know how um, prisoners are selected for the swaps? Is there a priority? Is there a way for... Um, you to make requests to the Russian side? How how does that all work? Russian side don't, doesn't want to communicate with us. Uh, we cannot do nothing in this uh, in So they this just process, randomly select people? Uh, yeah. Uh, I know that uh, the first uh, exchange, uh, exchange uh, was uh, mostly the uh, wounded people from the uh, so-called hospital, but it's not hospital. It's like uh, something like um, sanatorium. Yeah, sanatorium. I don't know how it would be. Pensionat, type. Yeah, like a mental health yeah it was not like a hospital and they didn't receive any operations and uh, uh, proper medical help so they they received only like uh, some of painkillers i guess uh, and uh, the перевязки yeah bandages dressings at max yeah so those conditions are not like medical conditions, but uh, just to keeping them alive, I believe. Uh, yeah, so they, so... they are not providing medical treatment as... as yeah, and uh, moreover, I know that uh, there is still a, a really heavily wounded person in the captivity. Uh, and uh, I don't know why, but he wasn't exchanged uh, in the first... Uh, in the first uh, process of uh, swapping, yeah, because uh, he he has a, a broken hip and uh, he needs he really needs operation. He he can't walk actually, and uh, he wasn't exchanged for some reason. And uh, I don't understand the logic of uh, picking the people who who are uh, who will be exchanged actually. The Russians are not providing medical help whatsoever. At best, they're just dressing wounds and uh, keeping them from dying. But there are people in in the dire, dire need of medical help with severe problems and uh, severely wounded. And they are still being essentially left in there, not exchanged and not provided any reasonable uh, medical help. Yeah. So this is the reality of being in in Russian captivity, and on top of that, torture and uh, mutilation. Just okay. um, we know that International Red Cross and the United Nations they became guarantors of uh, of the lives and well-being of the Ukrainian defenders became POWs um, and were essentially left as of style compound. Uh, have you communicated with those organizations? Have they reached out to you? What is their stance? Have they helped in any way to facilitate your communication with your with your partner, with Ida? What What is the role whatsoever? What did they do, if anything? Because again, they were guarantors from what was announced, and as it was announced by them, yeah, they they promised us to be the third side in this process of so-called evacuation, 
just captivity. Uh, but all they did, as far as I know, they just collected the lists of uh, people who was captured. But uh, I don't know so, if they they even tried to do something. I know that they uh, were trying to reach Alenivka after the strike, but uh, Russia uh, declined this uh, this uh, move. Uh, they they don't allow allow them to visit captives. So. And uh, have you communicated with representatives from Red Cross or United Nations before this all happened? Um, were they somehow helping in establishing like connection between you and and Ilya, or what what is their role whatsoever after after they were taking prisoners? I don't know what role was uh, planned for them because uh, actually they did nothing. Uh, I asked him, I asked them several times to uh, provide a contact with him with Ilya, uh, but they never did. They never did. They uh, they uh, didn't provide any official lines uh, to of communication for families uh, with uh, the, their uh, the relatives who are prisoners of war now. So uh, I don't know where is Ilya, how is he, and if he is even alive still. So essentially, again, it appears that the Red Cross and UN turned the blind eye, turned their head the other way and just don't care. Uh, regarding those people who who were in that camp in Olenivka, as you have spoken with them, um, were the representatives of Red Cross seen somewhere there? Because again, they were uh, the guarantors of their lives and well-beings. Oh, they're just not no. there whatsoever. And actually, I. Uh, I don't know why, but I never asked uh, those prisoners of war who are back home now. I never asked them about Red Cross because uh, I personally uh, don't trust this institution anymore. And I don't even like, uh, try to convince them that they should do something because uh, it's, it's impossible. They, they're also always like, yeah, yeah, we will help, we will help, but then comes nothing. After that comes nothing, nothing. So you address them multiple times, and the answer is always the same. We will look into it or something yeah, similar we, we were, with zero we results. Like trying to communicate with them. Uh, uh, or with our association of Kazakhstan Defenders family, I'm the member of it. We created it in order to like uh, uh, help uh, the families of uh, the prisoners of war uh, to understand the process of uh, uh, activity and uh, the process of uh, exchange. And we also provide the uh, psychology uh, psychological uh, help for them and uh, we also started a project uh, recently uh, in which we are trying to um, form the boxes with the, uh, some some things of the first need for the soldiers who will be back home one day I hope um, but uh, back to the question I'm sorry I, I just distracted. Um, back to the question, um, we on, be, on, on behalf of the association, I can say that uh, we were trying uh, to contact Red Cross. Uh, we were trying to co uh, cooperate with them and do something to uh, help our soldiers there, but uh, we haven't seen any results. 
so, so there is like no response no cooperation no attempt to help you know they, they're like uh, yeah we will help just pass the their info to us just uh, leave us your phone number we will call you and we will tell you if we have anything and that's it that's basically and nothing it. nothing comes out of it it's like nothing happens nothing happens yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I, I don't know if they did something because uh, maybe like a, it's a conspiracy and the top secret operation, but I don't believe in that personally. So I believe that they are a lazy organization which does nothing. Yeah, essentially, well, subjective opinion, essentially a worthless organization that does nothing. Uh, how about UN? because they were also like guarantors or representatives of United Nations. Anything I, on them, any I attempt? Even, I even haven't heard from them anything about uh, this captivity. Uh, so I don't know what they were or are doing in this process. And I hope that they will finally understand that if they promised to be involved, they should be involved, not like just promising to be involved. Right. They announced and declared to be guarantors, but nothing transpired. Yeah. They just apparently don't care. Yeah. Um, can you can you give us more? insights details about the organization that you mentioned i know that katarina prokopanko uh wife i reckon from of radis of uh, denis prokopanko the commander of the regiment is in that organization you are and uh other members of families of uh azov style defenders and uh, defenders from azov regiment are in the organization can you remind us the name and uh, your role and your activities, what you are trying to do right now? Uh, yeah, sure. So we are the association of uh, Azovstal Defenders families. Uh, our main uh, point is uh, to communicate uh, with uh, the foreign uh foreign uh, countries uh, with international communities and tell them that uh, the uh, other style defenders are uh, still uh, in dpr and they still need uh, to be exchanged that the conditions of this captivity is uh, are are very bad and very unhuman uh, and we are trying to uh, attract as much uh, uh, as much attention as possible for this question because uh, we believe that uh, this uh, international focus of uh, on, on this question will help to uh, press on Russia uh, to to provide some pressure on Russia and uh, to uh, make them uh, do more peaceful and quick uh, uh, decisions about the exchange because the, it's, it's not a problem for us to to uh, meet uh, two thousands of people it's uh, the problem for them to give those people to us you know uh, so we also uh, provide help to the families of the Azovstal defenders who are uh, now uh, in activity. Uh, we are trying to uh, care about their uh, psychological state uh, because um, we need to be strong when the boys will be returned from those uh, uh, from those uh, unbearable conditions in, in which they are kept uh, and we need to provide as much help for them not to be uh, like weak weak uh, weak supporters <laughs> for them we need to be strong i mean we, we need to um, provide as much care as we can so we are trying to uh, 
teach people how to do that, how to be a better, um, better support support team, you know. Uh, also, um, we are working on uh, uh, the uh, boxes. Uh, they're called Narešte uh, Doma. It's like uh, finally your home, uh, and uh, yeah. Uh, it it will be it it's a project which is uh, um, which we created for uh, the soldiers who are back home. Uh, we want them to uh, feel as much care as possible to show them that uh, Ukraine and the whole world uh, war and still supporting them. Uh, so there will be uh, like uh, t-shirts, uh, some. Training costumes, uh, some uh, crocs, boots, or something, just for uh, the first time. Because some of them lost uh, lost uh, their houses in Mariupol, in Donetsk, and other Ukrainian cities, which are occupied by Russians now. Uh, so we are trying to like provide uh, first needed things for them, and also like uh, all the uh you know uh, shampoos and soaps and stuff right so, the the so first necessities can... because as you might yeah 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 them essentially for, for them to, to take care of uh, of their uh health uh, also we will uh try to um we will try to we are we are trying now actually to raise some money for this project we have fund for this and uh, all the money which will be left after we uh, complete the pro project. I'm sorry. <laughs> all good. Uh, all, all the money which will be uh, left uh, after we uh, collected, uh, which will, after we completed uh, this, uh, uh, this boxes project, uh, we will, uh, try to spend it on uh, the healthcare uh, for the healthcare uh, for those soldiers who are back home because uh, uh, you know many of them uh, have lost their hands and legs and arms and stuff. So uh, we need to yeah. help them with the rehabilitation and uh, prosthetic uh, uh, process. So yeah. Basically, yeah, that's our main goal for now. 100%. It, it will be hard. It, it will be hard. Limbs, it will be hard, but uh, I believe that uh, the at home even the walls are healing, so I believe hmm. that they need to be home as soon as possible. True. Um, where are there, what was the overall, if you want to mention any good responses? Uh, from international community or media assets regarding the activities of your or activities, their response to to the messages that your organization try tries to to convey. Um, were there such or worth mentioning, or is just spreading the message and occasionally someone picks it up? I know it's like we have a lot of support from uh, uh, Ukrainian uh, media people. It's it's very uh, it's it's very cool actually, and I'm very happy that people understand in Ukraine uh, how how important uh, this is. Uh, also, uh, I personally visited uh, the premiere of uh, Bernard Henry Henry Levy. Uh, film uh, Why Ukraine, uh, and uh, it was divided in some parts. So in one part, he described the situation of uh, the Azov style, and actually he he showed uh, a part of interview with Ilya, and I was very proud that such person as Bernalli uh, showed Ilya in his fil film. It was uh, a big honor to visit uh, such uh, such events, uh, I, I had never been to uh, such things before. Um, also, uh, I know that uh, uh, some uh, foreign 
some foreign uh, stars and uh, and uh, congressmen are supporting Ukraine, but uh, as uh, I, it's it's not my part of job to uh, you know in association, it, it's not my part of job to collect all the um, all the mentions and uh, all the uh, all the support from uh, the uh, people so i i don't uh, actually um monitoring it uh, very uh, very often understood um just a question about um Ilya. when was the last time you have seen him in person and was this in mariupol no, uh, I saw him on, oh, it's so, uh, it's so hard. Uh, the last time I saw him, it was Feb February 19th uh, in Kiev, because we lived in Kiev then, and I hope we will be living in Kiev <laughs> soon again. Uh, so he went to Mariupol, uh, even he was... Uh, like uh in his civil life he he wasn't uh, uh in in forces no more uh he worked in it uh but he went to mariupol because uh, you know he he has a teaching talent and uh, the guys his friends asked him uh, his friends friends from the regiment uh, asked him uh, to come and uh, give some lectures for the newcomers uh and to teach them how to do all those uh, war military things. I don't know. I, I, I'm not actually uh, quite um, competent so to... was yeah, training to, to them to, and to, getting them ready yeah, to fight. Yeah, yeah. He was, he was like teaching them. Yeah, so... And he, he returned to Mariupol to... before the full-scale invasion. Yeah, he went to Mariupol just to give the lectures. He even didn't have any of this ammunition, of his ammunition with him, you know. He just went there as a civil man uh, to teach some newcomers. And uh, we planned that uh, he went there on 19th, so he will be back like in five or six days. And uh, he actually planned to get back to uh you to uh, kiev uh, like on uh 25th i guess uh, or 26 in the morning and it was something like that and we were planning to uh do uh, a little um a little uh how is it called a remote renovation of the apartment yeah yeah in, in in his apartment just to make it more comfortable and uh, good looking so we were living our no normal life back then understood true do we have any questions from the audience or we can just continue uh what is your hope for the future oh uh for the future uh you know it's very hard to talk about future now because um it's so uncertain i know that i can die every day uh i know that Ilya can be dead every day uh but i believe and i want to believe that our future and my future will be uh together uh, somewhere in mountains uh, for about a week or a couple of weeks, uh, just chilling on on the in the forest and seeing the beautiful sights uh, after the war. And because I I hope that Ukraine will will I believe that Ukraine will uh, win this war. I believe that uh, the truth on our side, so Russia will finally understand that there is no reason to invade our lands and there is no reason to 
to kill our people. I hope that they will understand it uh, with the help of the international community and that uh, international community will uh, explain Russians how to how to behave themselves in a civil world, not barbaric. Because what's Russia doing now is pretty Yeah, peace through victory and Ukrainian victory only. Yeah. yeah. Again, that said... What do you... Go ahead. Go ahead, Drew. Yeah, what do you wish people understood about what's going on in Ukraine, right? It's... it's uh as an observer and an outsider, it's oftentimes hard to really understand the situation. So is there something where you mm. feel like Westerners don't understand either like your motives or what you're fighting for or how they can help? I want uh, people to understand that uh, Ukrainians are uh, are fighting for the independence. Uh, we don't want to be a colony of Russia. We want to have our culture. We want to save our culture. We want to save our people, and we want to live in a peaceful country as it was before the 2014. Because uh, the war started in 2014, not in 2022. Uh, we, we want to speak our language. We want to do our own politics. We want to uh, cooperate with other countries. We want to uh, export our goods to other countries. We want other countries, people, uh, to visit our land, to see how we are living here. It's good here when, when it's not the war. Uh, I want to understand, I want people to understand that uh, if Russia will win in, in this war, if Russia will uh, invade Ukraine fully, it won't stop. Uh, it uh, it will gather uh, its strengths uh, and go further. It will. It will not stop. It wouldn't stop. It will try to reach Poland, Czech Republic, or other countries, and then fight USA. Maybe I don't know because Russians are the next. So I want people to understand that uh, we are not like um, fighting for nothing here. We are fighting for the whole of the world to to be safe, and we are fighting for uh, people to have their own culture, and not be unified to some something. Yeah, basically that's it. Yeah, the unfortunate reality is that Russia stops only when it is stopped by force and pushed back. Otherwise, they just expand, subjugate, and try to colonize. And it happens in the yeah. 21st century. And uh, when they yeah. have a hard time, and they just implement genocide and perpetrate genocide. And uh, Ukrainians right now are at the forefront of the defenses for the rest of the world. Drew, back to you. I'm sorry, I just think I lost connection and I... I think you're good. I'm here. Yeah, I think yeah. we're good. Okay. We're good. Yeah, so okay. I, I, just, I just wanted you to, to, to tell our audience if they wanted to help specifically by a donation um, to help specifically defenders of Agostal where should they go to 
Yeah, uh, we we are called. Uh, you Go can ahead. actually visit our website. Uh, we are uh, Azovstal families, uh, and uh, our site is uh, called uh, mm-hmm. uh, azovstalfamilies.com. Uh, so you can uh, just type uh, this uh, like uh, without any uh, without any uh, spaces. Uh, so it's called the style families, and so you can find the style families.com. Uh, yeah, yeah, and you can find there uh, our uh, activities, what we are doing, uh, the news about us and our social media. And also you can find there uh, the uh, the uh, payment links to donate and to support. If you like our, our activities, you can support them and you can actually join uh, us in this fight and uh, help us to uh, meet our soldiers uh, with all the honor they deserve. Yeah, thank you. Understood. So again, it's uh, Azovstal Families. The website is azovstalfamilies, one word, dot com. Uh, and they yeah. use occasionally hashtag free Azovstal Defenders. That's what yeah. I meant, yeah. Um, yeah. if there was any misunderstanding. And again, there is option to donate. So we encourage everyone to go to the website to spread uh, the the information about them and uh, again it's imperative to do so because if this trans- information disseminates if we pressure russia pressure russian invaders it's harder for them to do everything they're attempting to do to to ukrainian pow's and we we increase the chance of them surviving and returning home so please do support um the organization as of study families and uh again the it's just uh it's just imperative what you do spreading the message conveying the message and uh telling the world about what happens what happens and uh what russians are doing to ukrainian pow's Thank so you. just finally to wrap it up is there something that you would like to to emphasize that we haven't mentioned or just a final message uh from you or something that caught your attention recently maybe regarding the reaction of international media anything that you would like to emphasize and you know uh push again yeah uh, uh, as the final message i actually I want to say uh, that you should not believe Russian propaganda. If you see messages such uh, like uh, Ukraine uh, bombed their own soldiers or something like that, please believe that Ukraine would never do this to its people. We are writing them home. We are writing them home safe and sound and uh, we just want to to do everything to get them back home so azov regiment is not like is not like bunch of some nazis or else which is which was uh, which view was created by Russian propaganda, they actually uh, regular people who had re- regular lives before Russian invasion, who had families and still have families, kids, pets, and uh, also there are a lot of uh, uh, Muslims and uh, Jews uh, in this regiment, so uh, there is no such thing as Nazis. In there, um, so they are brave warriors. They are competent warriors, and uh, what they did to uh, to take a lot of Russian forces on themselves in Mariupol helped Ukraine to win 
some time to defend other cities, to defend civil people. Uh, and uh, they're real heroes, not only for us, but they should be real heroes for you too. So please uh, help us to spread this information around the world. Uh, tell people uh, about this. Share a post on social media. Uh, do, uh, I don't know, drawings, do sport challenges, uh, do everything you can to, to, uh, to take as much attention to this situation as possible. Uh, we need them to be home. We want them to be home. We are waiting for them and we cannot only, we cannot Such situations like this explosion, the, like this terroristic act, cannot happen again. It shouldn't be happened in in 21st century. So please do everything possible to spread the information and to help us to get our people back home as soon as possible. Thank you, Daria. Again, this was Daria Sikunova, partner of Ilyasa Moylenko from Azov Regiment. Thank you for joining us uh, at such late hour from, from Kyiv. And um, thank you for your time. And we encourage everyone who listens to us right now or will listen to the recording to visit uh, Azovstal Families, azovstalfamilies.com to donate and as Daria said, to spread the message. Uh, we cannot just hope, we have to be proactive and we have to push and keep the issue under the spotlight. And we want our heroes back home. Thank you and uh, thank you everyone who listened to us and thank you, Daria. Thank you, Tim.